You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I didn't really want to work for any bigger record label. Um, just because I liked sort of a system of like being able to do a bit of everything and not being sort of like a cog in a bigger sort of machine, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, and also like any other jobs would clash with touring and things like that. So I kind of felt the only option was for me to sort of like be self-employed and, but also fill the void that, you know, to not replace Holy Roll, but to sort of like yeah, have an alternative because there's, there's not that much in terms of like smaller labels or like medium-sized labels. Like you've got your Nuclear Blast, your Metal Blade, uh, Relapse and stuff like that. But then like in the UK, there's like, I don't, there's not many sort of like metal sort of labels. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops fans? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound, Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend because I most certainly did. I am so excited because this Friday coming, December 17th, is Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. Now, this episode is presented by Heavy Montreal, and they are one of Montreal's premier metal promoters. I am beyond stoked to have teamed up with them to bring you Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. This amazing event is happening this Friday, as I mentioned, December 17th at Corona Theatre here in Montreal. Performing that night at this amazing metal and craft beer festival is my band, Cryptopsy, alongside my friends in The Agonist, The Great Sabatini, Necrotic Music, and burning the oppressor all night long you can enjoy amazing craft beers from some of quebec's best microbreweries such as bg brasserie urbaine masorum brassatorium brasserie du bas canada sir john brewing company cinquième baron and brasserie de montréal now this event is in three days so if you intend on coming to the show i strongly suggest that you pick up your tickets via the link in the description of this podcast because it's looking very much like it's going to sell out and i would hate for you to miss your chance I am so looking forward to standing on stage this Friday and looking out at a crowd of metalheads enjoying amazing craft beers. I want you to be there with me, so join the party. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. More than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life, someone that you discovered metal with back in the day, that person that showed you your first metal band. I want you to hit them up, tell them first off that you missed them, and then let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 300 episodes with some of the world's best metal musicians available on all podcast platforms for them to discover. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, in today's episode, I'm with Justine Jones of Employed to Serve and Church Road Records. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 314. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Justine Jones of Employed to Serve and Church Road Records. Uh, Justine, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks. We just uh, finished up band practice for the weekend. Hey. Now I am enjoying a cold one. I love that. I love 
cold beer after a band practice or just cold beer in general? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't drink beer whilst doing vocals otherwise. Uh... No, okay, we're definitely going to touch on that, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I like to start with a shitty question to move into better territory afterwards and just get it out of the way. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious year of 2020 that lingered into 2021? Uh, how did you have fun during a pandemic? Oh, how did I have fun? I don't know, really. I just sort of worked in the record label. It wasn't, mm. I didn't, I was fortunate. I mean, I hated like the winter one, like the one at the beginning of this year. That one really fucking sucked. But apart from that, I really enjoyed our summer and like actually just reading books. So I can't really complain. I love that. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Now, what beer do you have on your side there that we're going to be virtually sharing together? So I have Cornish Crown. Uh, Citra Pale, nice. uh, sorry, Citra, which is a, a pale, I think. Very uh, nice. So yeah, drummer Casey, he's Cornish. Um, so that's like five hours where we live. So he's uh, very awesome and travels. Uh, but yeah, he bought a crate of this beer with him, and um, yeah, it was nice enough to give me one. Very exciting. I love that. I love that. Um I haven't been in the UK in quite some time because of the pandemic. Cryptopsy typically always tours the UK at least once a year, uh, and I was just getting into craft beer or deeper into craft beer as that was happening and i would always just find myself at a brew dog so it's cool and exciting to see that there's there's new young breweries that are popping up too that are competing with brew dog and and you know growing at because of the the exposure to craft beer in the uk i think it's interesting coming from a culture of uh, hand-pumped ales <laughs> oh yeah for sure like um when i had like uh, our old office in like peckham we used to have, uh, well, they're, they're still there. We're not, but like Brick Brewery, um, they're like one of my favorite ones. Um, I'm not like I, I like beer, but I don't like know much about it. I just I'm very much like I like the label and I buy it. Like usually, if it's like a really loud can, I mean this one's quite like four like four percent. But I always go for like the loudest can. And I always like, I've now realized the louder the can, the higher the ABP. Especially <laughs> <laughs> the plainer cans now. <laughs> that is true. On my side, I am drinking something dangerous that I enjoyed last night at. Uh the IPA podcast, oh, one-year anniversary. This is my brand-new collab that came out this week. This is Double Vox and Overhops from Overhop Canada. Absolutely love them. Last year, this was created for the three-year anniversary of Vox and Hops. Uh, it's basically the big brother, big sister, big partner to Vox and Overhops, which came out last year, and they always uh, they give us little cactuses. <laughs> <laughs> my son destroyed it recently. But, uh, yeah, this just, just, just dropped. Um, it's like Galaxy, Citra, uh, Mosaic, I believe. I believe is the third hop 8.5 percent abv double dry hop double new england um very excited to have this in my hands and to be sharing it with you virtually right well, now i'm gonna it's super <laughs> cool yeah i really just gave them like my assets and their art artist uh valter uh from brazil just totally pulled this together and they're like how about this and i was like yes that's perfect <laughs> i love when that happens uh i'm gonna pour this out i'm curious to hear about your very first beer oh probably something awful actually like um i think like it was a classic i think i was like 13 14 and like one of my mates like nicked a beer from their dad i think it was something like carling or john smith's Oof. Horrible <laughs> beer. Like more like water. <laughs> Hoppy water. Well cheers to that and cheers to your first beer and cheers to Overhop for making me another killer collab. It's it's super juicy. See, first sip is like massive 
booze punch to the face. But then as you keep drinking it, it really softens out and the, the tropical notes really come through. The color's amazing. Super juicy. Really, really, really cool. It looks strong. You can't see through it. You can always tell when it's strong because you can't. Yeah, well, it's the un- unfiltered beers, right? And they, they use a lot of like um, oats in it. And oats create like a really hazy, hazy beer and it's not filtered. So that's why. But uh, talk to me about craft beer. Talk to me about your experience with craft. Do you remember your first craft beer? You, you mentioned that you're not the biggest craft beer enthusiast. You like beer. You go for it for the labels. Uh, talk to me about when you first discovered that beer could be more than just your dad's carling. Oh, I think like I started getting into beers like post university when I had a bit more money. Um, <laughs> Cause they are a bit pricier because they're yes. independent um, and they're just nicer. So uh, super think, I guess it'll probably be Brewdog because uh, they started popping up in London uh, right where studying in um in Haggerston, like sort of like uh east london um and yeah like i used to just like hit places up like that uh and then from there i kind of like noticed all the different labels i quite like how similar craft beer is to sort of music in terms of like, the scene um like i've like made friends with like good chemistry in, in bristol um like and like they all kind of like everyone knows each other and they kind of support each other which seems nice or at least like from an outsider it feels like that um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's just nice to listen to good music and drink good beer, really. It's a beautiful, beautiful coincidence of how similar the scenes are. And I was mentioning it last night at this party that I was at, uh, with a fellow musician friend that was there. I was like, it's the same. It's like we we all support each other. We go to the shows. They're all here supporting this brewery's release. Everybody's coming and collaborating. Um, there's the typical drama that happens in the music scene and that the same thing basically happens in the brewing scene. It's beautiful. I think it's, it's super interesting and it's why Vox and Hops works because both scenes are just make sense together. Beer, music, craft beer, extreme metal, underground, fighting the big bad guys of big corporate beer versus big corporate music. Makes perfect sense. I love it. Uh, I want to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardian's house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Uh, ooh, uh, my mom likes like U2 uh, and like Red Hot Chili Peppers, like that kind of stuff. And obviously like a lot of radio things. I think um, she had like sort of her key like uh, records that she liked growing up and then she actually like started listening to a lot of stuff I listened to growing up. Like she liked Lincoln Park and My Chemical Romance, The Used. Like when I sort of like started getting into heavier music, I kind of went uh, via like those kind of bands, and then like through them and like Limp Bizkit, I got into like heavier stuff, uh, like Slayer, Trivium, uh, Slipknot, Corn. Um, and stuff like that. So yeah, she actually kind of listens to some metal now, which is quite funny. I love that. My my dad was an avid metalhead. Uh, I discovered metal. He was like more of a corporate metalhead, uh, like Black Album, <laughs> Black Album, Metallica, Bon Jovi style, Guns and Roses. In my dad's car is where I discovered music. So um, very cool that you're. In, uh, he he is open to some things that I've showed him over the years but uh he's typically like very nostalgic and sticks to what he used to listen to so it's cool that your mom is open and has actually become a bit more of a metalhead because of you yeah for sure i mean it's also a shame that like i didn't get into like metallic and stuff when i was younger because when i first started getting into metal i was like 14 and i was like this is dad music yes. and now i'm actually like, exactly that, like 
29 I'm just getting into Metallica now um <laughs> which is kind of nice in a way but like I yeah I used to like want to go like for the most extreme stuff like mm-hmm. especially when I got into like uh Cannibal Corpse and like uh sort of like the more sort of kind of I guess deathcore adjacent stuff like uh Despised Icon yes uh, Iron Dissonance yes. and like things like that so Montreal bands right there I love it sick like um so yeah when i got into those bands i was kind of like oh what's this singing crap and i mean i was 14 <laughs> so you kind of get like that with you yeah. because of my father <laughs> and and him being such a like a hair metal rock metal dude anything that had a solo in it was dad music for me it was old and boring which is why I really embraced new metal because there was no solos. It was all about the attitude and the groove and the sound versus the musicality of, of thrash, let's say. And it's, it's taken me a long time to get back into it. And it was Dream Theater Strain of Thought. I think that's the name of the album um, that really got me back into guitar music. Oh, nice. I remember when yeah, that happened. it's such a shame, isn't it? Because solos are sick. It's yeah. and dive bombs. It's Matt, like looking a dive bomb into a solo is like. <laughs> I remember trying out for this band, and they had—they they were amazing. And they—they—but they, all that there was basically a thrash band with solos. And I was like, "How am I going to make this make sense?" And it never made sense to me, so I never joined. But they, they were really good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cut you off though. Oh, no worries. Um, I was just saying, like, like listen to like Exodus and um, mm. bands like that for the first time. I'm like, holy shit, this is sick. <laughs> like, how do they play that? Um, how do we wait yeah. this long to get into it? <laughs> I'd love to hear about your first shows. Do you remember the first live music experience you went to witness? I'm trying to think. Uh, yes, I do. I watched uh, Billy Talent. Um, it's all about Canada. I love it. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, yeah I watched them and uh, there's this band called Ruben who opened as well and they're like really sick. Uh, yeah, that was my first show. I think, yeah, I was 14 and saved up my pocket money for it. So yeah, that's pretty cool were you in the pit yeah yeah i was like i was uh yeah i, I was uh, kind of more up for it back then now right near the sound guy right because you know that's where it sounds best you know yeah, <laughs> i don't want to get dusted anymore like if i've done that i've paid my dues i'm in a band <laughs> i'll let other people have fun i remember my first mosh pit it was at corn it was the family values tour that came up to Montreal and Ramstein wasn't there. It was just Corn, Limp Bizkit, no, sorry, Corn, Incubus, and Orgy, I believe was the lineup. And I remember being oh, yeah. in my first mosh pit, it was for Corn, and there was so many people, and it was one of these mosh pits that like you have no control over where you're going because the crowd is just moving you. Yeah. And I was ter- I was terrified. But <laughs> And I, I didn't like moshing for, for a while after that, but one of those like you have no control over where you, your feet are just being taken. It yeah, was, well, it's like a, a crowd surge isn't it mm. like i had that when i watched uh death tones in yes. reading and i was just fucking like lifted and i was like wow my <laughs> to death tones you know <laughs> amazing amazing how about your very first time on stage do you remember that experience oh yeah yeah i really do um yeah god that was it was our first ever show that before we served and i was so nervous yeah. i just wanted, i was like stretching have you ever watched um, It's that It's Always Sunny show? Uh, Absolutely, show? yes. Like the one where Dee keeps retching. 
Well, that's not good too. That's that's harsh on your vocals uh, because of the uh, yeah, the the acidic uh, reflex there. The the acidity on your your vocal cords is actually quite tough. So, so take me through that. Take me through that mentality of of you guys practiced. You were ready to go on stage. I remember my first shows. I feel like I was ready, but I probably wasn't. Were you ready? No, definitely not. I mean, I, mean, I, pra- I practiced as hard as I could, but like, I I. Well, I started playing an instrument like when I was younger, but I kind of didn't really delve too much. So in terms of like music, kind of like in terms of like knowing timing and things like that, it definitely didn't come naturally to me and still doesn't. It's something I have to like constantly work at. So like, yeah, when I first started, I had no, um, I didn't have years behind me like I do now. So yeah, I was very much like, you know, holding on to my seat the whole time. Um, <laughs> And I just remember being so rigid because I was so nervous. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. sort of like a, a plank. And like I felt like if I was going to move, I'd fall over. Like, yeah. um, but, but once that first one's out of the way, I find you just kind of, you know, it's not as bad. It's never as bad as the first time you play basically so no and it's so important to just do it it's i've said it many times on the podcast it's like every show is like seven band practices in one you you just learn so much so quickly especially as a for myself as a vocalist it's the enthusiasm the adrenaline causes you to have to really focus on your diaphragm support and breathing techniques to really keep your voice in check without losing it but yet still put on a performance it's like a you you have to do it to to it's not something you can practice it's something that you can't like in a band practice create that adrenaline that happens with a, a live performance it's something special yeah it's it's mad isn't it because yeah you do like so many weird things that i never do in practice yeah, exactly like, like, hold, <laughs> my posture gets weird like i like i grip too hard mm. and my shoulder starts going numb because i'm just like not like kind of moving as much it's, really? yeah it's okay. really bizarre but like I'm obviously better at it now because I just kind of just, just don't care after about how many years of doing it. Do you know what I mean? You just be like, oh. it's very important that yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of like you stop uh, not not caring, but as in like you kind of just enjoy you it. Know, you practice as hard as you can. You're like, well, you're human. If you mess up, you mess up. So it doesn't really matter. And I enjoy it. Way exactly. Days. Just just like recently it happened and then the pandemic took it all away from me was <laughs> I came to the point that I just started having fun on stage versus yeah. obsessing about every little possible mistake that could happen I think I, I think I had two or three tours that right up until the pandemic then I was finally having fun on stage versus <laughs> trying to be the best cryptopsy singer that I could be yeah yeah it's mad though isn't it it happens like to most a lot of people I speak to actually like so if you like, like fluff up a bit um, you kind of just like you spend the whole set like spiraling in mm-hmm. your head. Going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. The, the dark, I, vo- I the, the dark void. Up. I call it the dark void. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the void, yeah. Oh no, I made a mistake. Spiral. Oh, and then because you're thinking about that, and, and then you think you're you're thinking about that mistake. So you made another mistake, and then it amplifies, and it's like a, like it's like like Pythagoras or something. It's <laughs> everything yeah. is squared yeah, and. <laughs> It gets worse and worse. <laughs> it's best to just breathe. It is. I, I feel worse for drummers because there's mm. so much there's more limbs involved. And everyone's you know I mean? counting on them. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got we got it easy. We got it easy, Justine. <laughs> no one is saying we could just not let the lyrics. No one otherwise. That. It's just nonsense. <laughs> How about discovering your voice? Uh, at what point did you realize that you could be an extreme vocalist? I think uh, I so I started learning do, like doing proper vocals, like to uh, suicidal suicidal 
No, that's wrong. Suicide silence. Suicide silence. I wanted to say suicidal tendencies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a lot. That's the wrong band. I have been listening to them recently. But yeah, su- suicide All silence. he wanted was a Pepsi. But. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I started like literally learning, um, just doing vocals to those songs pretty much. Because uh, Sammy started employed to serve as sort of like a, a recording project, uh, project and he uh, was just like, "Why don't you learn how to do vocals?" And I was like, oh, "Okay." Really? And, uh, you had yeah, never done them before. It was just like in the car, in the shower, and the. Yeah, yeah, literally, like pretty much in this room, just learn how to do vocals, pretty much um, by a lot of trial and error. Um, trying to think, what I watched. I like watched. Um, Zenith screaming. Hell yes. A lot of it's a lot of it just doesn't like make sense until you just try it and then you kind of you find the sweet spot a couple of times and you're like, ah, like it's from there. And then it's just the rest of the time is chasing that sweet spot hmm. with your boy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just with like really. Melissa Cross is amazing. Uh I really feel like our age of extreme vocalists, we all basically followed her. But nowadays these new um people that are discovering extreme vocals now have so many more options of where to learn how to scream like with extreme vocal institute uh, voice hacks on youtube they're just it's so clear much more clearer than what melissa cross was teaching us so we had to like just take what melissa gave us which was like how to protect ourselves and then we had to work on it on our own to really discover how to get that yeah. sound it's really yeah, different yeah. than nowadays where they're like really teaching you exactly how to create a fry scream, how to do a false chord scream. It was Melissa never did that. It was more like just I felt like she just gave us the the tools to protect ourselves to not damage our vocals. Yeah, definitely. Or at least just sort of like a, a rough indication of where to push from. And exactly. Yeah. Like it's interesting because I've literally uh, as of like last month, I've only just like started doing vocal lessons like um, really more for yeah because um so the guy I, I get taught from he's uh in a band called black peaks um and he does like a mix of shouting and singing vocals. nice his range is like insane like he's a saxophonist as well so he has like so the breathing the breathing yeah. is amazing yeah so like basically i'm just learning how and it sounds weird how to breathe properly and just sort of because it, it like singing and screaming is very like you know it's in tangent with each other so i figure if you're if you can work out your lung capacity, you can get it's better all at that. about breathing. That's my mantra. I have a mantra on stage. It's all about air and, and yeah. where you're putting the air and where it's coming from and the support of the air. That's really cool that you're, you're, you're always trying to make yourself better. That's the, I would love to take singing lessons again. Cause I, I was a singer that fell into becoming a screamer. I'm, I'm I am a singer. Oh, I scream because I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've started taking it a bit more seriously now because I had I had like two years off from doing yeah. well, almost two years from doing vocals because of COVID. Uh, and we're doing um, we're on the Gujira tour, which is like three months long, and we're really excited. So but cool. at the same time, I'm like, I need to get better, <laughs> <laughs> or at least like know how to not lose my voice after three months. Yeah. Oh, um, is that an issue that you go on that on tour that you? lose your voice no i've never lost my voice okay, but wonderful. i've never done three months tour like mm-hmm. i uh yes. um i've done like a month long tour and i've been fine like i've even like managed to do a flu and stuff before but it's one of those things because i haven't done it i kind of just want to make sure i've got stuff in place and, that's smart yeah that's smart that's amazing gojira i didn't know that i'm sorry i should have done research and seen that that's awesome no congrats for that that's so Very so cool funny. thank you yeah i've been 
huge fan of that band for like yeah. over a decade at this point. So I discovered them. Randy Bly told me about them a long time ago. I've been friends with Randy since 2002, 2003, four maybe, and he was just ranting and raving about this band, Gojira. You you need to listen to Gojira, and and then boom, one of the biggest bands on the planet. So Randy knows what's up. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about Conquering. New record, Employed to Serve, came out on September 17th via Spine Farm. Um, this record is more metal forward. So, so talk to me about that decision versus what it was before. Uh, how, what was the, the mindset of making a more metal record versus something else you've made? Um, so basically with this new record, we wanted like to make it more of a kind of statement record, I guess. Like it's our fourth one. Um, and we've got like basically a whole new lineup apart from myself and Sammy. Uh, so we kind of like want, we've always wanted to go for a more metal direction and with this new lineup, it sort of made sense to make that change now. Um, so like our last three records are a bit sort of, um, sort of like more of a combination of like hardcore and metal, I'd say sort of like it sort of straddles the sort of two genres quite well. Uh, so yeah, for this new record, we kind of wanted it set apart from the others. Um, and yeah, we just wanted to sort of like pay homage to like bands that we grew up listening to, like, you know, like Lamb of God, um, like Machine Head, Slipknot, like bands like that, sort of like more sort of like metal geared kind of, um, you know, bands really. So yeah, we had a we had a blast making this record. It's also got solo on it too, so uh, I like it now as we discussed. <laughs> well, it obviously works because it got you on the Gojira tour, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm loving the UK metal scene. Uh, there's like really exciting new bands that are coming out of there I think it's just amazing I hate getting this asked this question about Montreal but I will ask it to you about the UK <laughs> bands like Loathe uh, I feel like there's just like this new blood coming out of the UK why is the UK such a hotbed now for extreme metal extreme music Ooh, I don't know actually I think um, music definitely comes in waves um, so like when I first like started out in the scene it was quite it was a, quite a lull um, but yeah, like around about the same time as us. Like I think Loath pretty much started the same time as us. Uh, Venom Prison, Svalbard, Condra uh, was slightly Condra. later on. Love them. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so they, yeah, they kind of came on like, about two or three years of us being into a band. Um, and yeah, like there's a sort of like a group of us now. Uh, there's like so many more that I probably haven't mentioned. Are ingested, amazing, but... my boys, and ingested. Yeah. 
oh yeah different yeah, yeah, different yes. different genre a little bit but uh love yeah yeah I've, like known those guys um forever actually love since them. i was like 16 sammy um who plays guitar in ets was in a band with sam and sean from yes. yesterday called uh the Wing, i think yes yes it's so funny that they 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 met each other because they lived on the same street and they hated each hey. other because they're like, who is this kid? This guy outside skateboarding thinks he's better than me. And then they became and, and then they became best friends. And then they started a band and they toured the world with Ingested. I think it's amazing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they're on, um, they're, doing, they're so awesome. They're doing metal. They're on Metal Blade now, They just right? got signed to Metal Blade, yeah. 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 Well, they did well with um, Unique Leader and they, they did a bunch of stuff with them. But their most recent release uh, was amazing. My good guitarist, Kristen Donaldson, produced it and it's killer. It sounds amazing. It's actually the, the soundtrack to our pandemic because uh, that track with Kirk from Crowbar uh, that came out. <laughs> we were all at this cabin in the woods writing the new Cryptopsy record. And it was we listened to it like a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough about ingested back to you um <laughs> but the uk scene what 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 is it is it in is it in the cascales uh what 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 brings this creative new wave of interesting extreme music because it has like a vibe everyone all the bands that you mentioned they're like uh, loathe conjuring yourself you guys have like a, a vibe that's different than everything else that's happening in the metal scenes across the globe yeah i know i know what you mean actually i think I think it's because we're sort of all like roughly the same age, like give or take like five years. So we kind of grew up on the same music. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, like you speak to a lot of these people and like, yeah, it's like the, set, the classics that they sort of like grew up on. Um, but yeah, I feel like because you spent like when we're like sort of developing our sounds, we end up sort of like end up touring together. Cause it's such a small country. Absolutely. Like you can get like so many of England in like any, you know, state, any like of Canada and that. So, um, so yeah, like we just basically like play with each other all the time. And like, I feel like you end up sort of almost like by default, like um, not sounding like each other, but having sort of similar vibes about each other. And also just sort of growing up in similar environments and like, you know, sort of British school system. And and like, I feel like with the UK, um, because like it, we were just about pre-internet, like we're on the cusp of the internet. Uh, well, at least I was anyway. I think, like, I started properly using the internet with, like, MySpace era when I was, like, 14, 15. Um, so, yeah, and then we started, like, discovering loads of bands from MySpace and the internet started happening. So, yeah, we kind of almost got drip-fed the same bands because, like, there'll be different release dates in America for, like, films, music, That's whatever. True. Like, well, North America in general, including, like, Canada. Like, so, yeah, so over here, like, we kind of almost have, like blocks of releases of certain bands that they're the only things you could buy or like imports would be so expensive that like you'd garret like because it would be like 20 pounds a cd and that's like so much oh, money yeah. um for it's like, like eight, um, eight pints <laughs> exactly yeah like uh yeah so you kind of end up having to sort of like talk to your friends being like What's it, what one should I spend my money on uh-huh. this month? Really buy one a month. So yeah, you end up picking up the same CDs and yeah. So that combination of things, I think, really. Absolutely, and and I, you you touched on a bunch of things that resonated with me with Montreal. You, you mentioned you know despised icon. You mentioned Ion Dissonance, uh, Cryptopsy. We all just played shows together in in Montreal because we were jamming in the same building. We would just 
play for fun like stick together book our own shows so so it, it totally totally makes sense and now uh, despite icon and ion dissonance they've gotten together and they've have the most hyped up coolest brewery in montreal if you come through i'm gonna have to bring you oh hell yeah it's called a masorum brassatorium and and they're really just the most hyped up coolest brewery i think it's so cool that uh, they've done this i'm proud of them uh let's talk about about church road records i think uh it's super cool that you have your own label and uh more than that doing research for this i thought it was really interesting that this week this week like i Listen to the I don't know how to say the band name though W O W O D Ah Fullwood I listened to that record this week and I I had downloaded it when it came out I have Jerry Monk the metal architect of Vox and Hops that makes all my playlists that sends me music all the time and this is one that just stuck there's like I liked it I loved that sort of sludgy um, post metal type stuff I I love it so this record really stuck with me so so talk to me about starting a record label. Um, why did you start a record label? We'll start with that question. I ask myself that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, like shipping yeah. stuff. So I don't like shipping stuff. So I wouldn't start a record label for that one reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, so funny you should say that. We've actually, as of the beginning of this year, we outsourced our mail order. Because it used to be in this room that I'm in. I, I can just imagine. Yeah. I was so stressed. Like the, the post office. I don't know what your post office people are like. But ours are always very surly. They hate their lives. They hate you. We'll, we'll talk to Sean from Ingested. He's actually a postman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the post delivery people are fine, but it's like the kind of like the check, yeah, yeah. the checking people. Uh, why, why a record label? What what was the purpose of starting that? Uh, how did that begin? Um, I think it's super cool. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, it's sort of... Uh, so, my old job um, was at Holy Roll Records, and like that unfortunately ended. Um, so after that, I kind of was in a bit of a sort of a limbo because I didn't really want to work for any bigger record label. Um, just cause I liked sort of had like a system of like being able to do a bit of everything and not being sort of like a cog in a bigger sort of machine, so to speak. Um, so yeah. And also like any other jobs would clash with touring and things like that. So I kind of felt the only option was for me to sort of like be self-employed and, but also fill the void that, you know, to not replace Holy Roll, but to sort of like, you know, have an alternative because there's, there's not that much in terms of like smaller labels or like medium sized labels. Like you've got your nuclear blast, your metal blade, uh, relapse and stuff like that. But then like in the UK, there's like, I don't, there's not many sort of like metal sort of labels. Earache was a UK label. Am I crazy with when I say that? Yeah, yeah, Eric is a, uh, as well. But even then, like, they're quite big. So um, there's no sort of, I mean, they do sort of like sign some grassroots bands or like smaller bands. Um, but in terms of like real small, like 50 capacity shows, like there wasn't really anyone who knew how like to sort of grow bands and things like that. So I kind of felt like we just sort of slotted back into that sort of like kind of world again. Um, and yeah, it was, it was interesting. We started it during a pandemic and Brexit. Um, very stressful. Really? Uh, okay. it's, it's, uh, it's a lot better now because like, like, we kind of got into our rhythm. We're just kind of used to the whole EU uh, not being able to ship to EU very well and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, we've got like a monthly subscription club as well, which is really awesome. Um, and yeah, we've got a full schedule until this time next year, which is kind of insane. Fantastic. It's, it's so cool. Um, now, you're not on your label and i love asking this question to people T- talk to me about that not releasing your own music 
So we we are we do release our smaller side bands like okay. they're like the fun, the fun like I'm not that ETS projects, isn't fun. Projects, we yeah. take that more seriously. Um, so yeah, like so we do that. Um, I think I think it's hard doing working on your own bands because you you don't have that detach like you can't separate yourself from it and it gets a bit messy. I'm thinking about like pelagic with like the ocean. Yeah, like sometimes it works, yeah. but like I mean, we were like I was releasing us like our first two records, like a re-release. Yeah. yeah, so like it, it wasn't too bad, but I kind of what I did was like I spent less time on my own banks. I didn't want to see, uh, yeah, like I was like I had like favoritism. Do you know what I mean? No, I totally understand. So I, and I ended up letting things slide for my own band, mm. so I was just like silly. Um, so in the end, yeah, we just um, we signed to the awesome Spine Farm Records and. Darren, our um, label manager there, like he used to run Siege of Media, which Jester was on. Like, so he comes from a very like independent kind of background. Uh, Layla, our P- um, PR person, like she used to work, I think it's like Days and Night Records, who like Bring Me the Rise and the Sign to and stuff like that. So they all kind of came from sort of independent music backgrounds. So they have that sort of ethos, but with a major label. So, like, that's what I really like about our current label, Spine Farm. So, yeah, like, it fitted really well. Um, and we got really, um, yeah, we got really lucky with them, to be honest, because you hear a lot of horror stories from age labels. So Absolutely. How about choosing bands? Uh, how do you pick who is a part of Church Road? Uh, how, do, how do you curating your roster? You have, you have killer, killer bands. Uh, you know, Palm, Palm Reader is probably... The, the biggest band that I can think of on your roster, but uh, interesting, interesting that, that how do you choose who is on? Ooh, um, I mean, first and foremost, I have to like it. So uh, there's literally everything from dream pop to black metal on church road. Um, but that's like the spectrum of what myself and Sammy listen to. Like that's how wide reaching it is. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as releasing hip hop, even though I love hip hop. That'd be too weird. But like in terms of that, I kind of, I kind of think of, you know, like uh, like my, my perfect label to me is Relapse Records because they have nothing. They have like Death, um, you know, Pig Destroyer, and like bands like that. They have the spectrum. They have like bands like Survive, who did the Stranger Things soundtrack. Yeah, I love that band. So, like, I, yeah, they're sick. Like, I'd love that. And I, so, yeah, like just bands like that, really, because um, you know, because you have they have that sort of like Boards of Canada kind of vibe. I love that too. Um, this is such, such a sick album. Um, but yeah, like I love that because the thing is, like, we want to be um, a music fan's label. We want, you know, people who are, because if you're like a music fan, you can't listen to Death Metal 24 7. You can't listen to Grand or Dream Pop 24 7. So, what are you going to do? You're going to mix genres up. So, that's kind of what we wanted to sort of emulate. And yeah, just like, you know, release bands that we care about, basically. I, I've interviewed a bunch of basically labels that are not major labels uh redefining darkness um everlasting spew i i love asking this question it's how do you feel or i don't know if it's happened yet when one of your bands becomes too big for you and you watch them go i don't know if it's happened yet i don't know if it's happened yet but it's going to happen eventually yeah like i mean it's happened like with our last label and like there's um yeah like so i mean just happy like it's nice to be a part of that story it's at the end of the day, like I don't work with for like major labels or big labels because I don't want the stress and like the hassle that comes with it. Because the bigger you get, the more uh, you know problems. But you know, good you know, good problems to have. 
But like, it's the kind of stuff I don't really want to mess with. Like I don't want to mess with like large amounts of money and things that stresses me out. So like that kind of stuff, I'm like happy, like, you know, I'm just happy to sort of like, you know, have been a part of that story or that part of their career and, you know, help them. And it's one of those things like, you know, it's not never say never, like sometimes bands go on bigger labels and come back or, you know, like it's not the end. It's not like, and it's kind of nice actually for me because like I'm usually like a, a big fan of, well, I am a big fan of all the bands that release. So it's just kind of nice almost being at the other end again, you know, sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's always going to be, be like a little bit sad, but apart from that, like it's just nice to see them grow. You'll still get guest lists, it's okay. But, uh, is there a band that you're hunting, that you're courting, that you'd love to get, that you just can't, haven't grasped yet? Oh, I'm trying to think. I'm not courting them, but like I'd love to have like planning for burial just because I think they're such a sick band. Um, well, artist. <laughs> One person. <laughs> um, I, like, I would love to like have someone like Drab Majesty or like a, a band like that because um, I kind of feel like we've uh, sort of ticked all of my sort of like genre boxes because like we have Shoegaze, Brunch, Dream Pop, Black Metal, Death Metal uh, and everything in between. So I kind of want to have the sort of more like m83 sort of like synth kind of stuff going it's like um there's this other band called gunship as well like, yes, like ex- yeah. of, uh fight star i think yeah um but yeah like, i love bands like that um i think they would like sit on the label really nicely but i have a feeling good too big for us <laughs> a brute style too there yeah 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 exactly that kind of stuff wicked amazing i love it i love it uh you've been very busy and i know the answer to this question but i love to ask it uh i'm very very lucky that i have the podcast um right before i climb onto stage typically i get this feeling this like goosebumps this oh my god uh am i ready i'm ready i love this feeling and it's it's a feeling that i haven't had since the whole pandemic uh, but luckily i get to that same feeling right before i sit down here with a guest am i prepared enough did i do enough research are we going to connect are we going to have a good conversation that's how i've been filling my void of performing so how have you been filling the void of performing on stage um to be fair like i don't think like I, it'll ever be sort of like the same as but like i get i really enjoy playing music with my band so I've really enjoyed band practices and just hanging out. Um, and like, yeah, to sort of like fill the time away from it. Like I just like work on the label because any, I like, I love music. Like I'm a music fan first and foremost, like, and I've just sort of somehow turned it into a full-time job. So like, just as long as I'm involved in music in one way or another, whether it's like selling it or, um, you know, like watching it, consuming it in any way, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, yeah and like yeah i think i think just yeah playing live the thing is with playing live um i like the fact it's so single-minded because you have to like, you have to pay attention especially with the kind of music we play and, and you play as well like it it's like so intense and like all over the place. you have to be on the ball otherwise actually, even actually you know what i think even simple music must be hard like doom oh yeah like, yeah, yeah. Simple, you know what i mean like slower like you used to lose cap. Yeah, I had Ahab on and asked him that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like you just can't, you can't like lose your focus for a second because you'll just, you'll mess up and you'll embarrass yourself in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> 
something I love to do is to create beer collabs. It's it's one of my favorite things to do throughout the past year. I think I've released probably 30 beers. Um, 22 of them came out where I paired uh, past guests of the podcast with metal breweries across North America. The project was called Brutal North America. Um, I would interested to to hear it, what your beer would be if you could have a beer for employed to serve or for the record label what would your beer be what style of beer and what would you call it oh i'm trying to think it, it depends like so if it's church road it would, I, i'd almost want two beers Perfect. To be greedy for go for it so like i want like a really dark stout that's like 6.66 percent um, and then I'd want like a very hazy sort of pale to kind of go with the sort of more dreamy shoegaze style. So you kind of almost have, you know, like how you have like the paddles going from like, yeah, yeah, it'd be like that. And then you can like kind of pair it with different albums from the record. Um, we could do that. I think it's a good idea. Actually, that could be cool. Um, ECS wise, I kind of feel like I'd want, I don't like sours, but I feel like a grapefruit sour would look good with our album cover because of the colors. Amazing. I love it. What would you call them? Ooh. Start with employed to serve. A grapefruit sour. <sighs> Try to think of a good pun now. Employed mm. to sour. <laughs> sour. Grapefruit to serve. Employed to beer. Employed to serve beer is like <laughs> in brackets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, amazing. Uh, we'll wrap this up. One last question, classic wrap-up question for Vox and Hops. Uh, it probably doesn't happen to you very often, uh, but every once in a while, it happens to everyone, including myself today. Uh, what is your hangover cure? Oh, staring into the abyss. <laughs> See, that's that's, that's, that's the name of the stout there for for Church Road. I like that. Staring into the abyss. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think. I, I honestly, like, time is the only thing that cures me. <laughs> Nothing makes it better, especially, like, as soon as I hit, like, 23, I swear I started going downhill sharply from there. Like, <laughs> I just stopped being able to sleep on people's floors and stopped having, like, being able to have three beers about a twinge of a headache. Mm. Uh, yeah, I had a, I had a five-day hangover after wow. um, our release party. Really? Just, I really, really did myself. Wow. <laughs> I, inter- I interviewed Christian Deegan, who's a nutritional scientist uh, for my Sober February content last year. He plays bass in Ahab Live. It's funny we we're talking about Ahab before. He says that it takes the human body three days to recover from a hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Well, I think, yeah, I think that the bulk of it was three days, but the two days were sort of like, almost like a jet lag because I, <laughs> like I went to bed at like 6am and because like, that's another thing about getting like late in your late twenties. I find that you, your inner body clock is so rigid that it gets up at the time you wake up for work, even if it's the weekend and even if you went to bed two hours before. So I think that's another thing that, that messed with me. <laughs> what, what really helps is, is your children because they don't, they didn't drink the beers. <laughs> They don't give a shit if you're hungover, I'm sure. Like. They didn't drink the beers. It's not their fault. Yeah. Uh, Justine, yeah. thank you so, so much for taking the time having a chat with me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer. Uh, this was amazing. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Everyone, please go listen to that new Employed to Serve record. Conquering, uh, you should absolutely check it out. Um, love this conversation. Massive cheers to you, Justine. Raise your glass. Let's say goodbye. This is awesome. Cheers. Thank you for having me. 
Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have an amazing time with Justine. Such a creative person. I'm so excited that she has started a record label during a pandemic and that it's a huge success. Uh, You can do it, people. If you put your mind to work, if you put your mind on a topic, on a goal, you can achieve that, just like Justine has done. Mad props to Justine, and I'm looking forward to connecting with you again in the near future because I love what you're doing, and I just can't wait to hang out with you again. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcasts mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I dropped throughout the past week if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, any pertinent information for any cool new projects that I have in the works before I release them to the public, and the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, and is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, I'd hate for you to miss a single thing, so please sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. Hope you have a great rest of the week. I'll be back this this Friday with two mammoth episodes, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.